0: You're listening to Win-Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. Welcome to Win-Win, an entrepreneurial community. I am, as always, your host, Ben Wolf. Uh, we're going to be learning from our guest today how to set up your CRM's marketing automation, a topic at the moment that's close to my heart. So I'm glad we have our guest on today. Uh, I want to uh, ask everybody to uh, subscribe, leave a review wherever you are listening to this or watching this, follow all those things that it lets you do on the platform. It definitely does help us get this content out to more people. Uh, Without further ado, I want to get into introducing what our guest is going to talk about today. Uh, She is the founder and chief marketing nerd at Coastal Consulting, which focuses on helping B2B companies develop and implement processes, automation, and personalized communications using HubSpot and Salesforce. Uh, you can find out more about her on her company's website, CoastalConsulting.co. And welcome, Lauren Kennedy. Thanks for coming.
1: Thanks for having me, Ben.
0: My pleasure, my undying pleasure. Uh, I want to ask you to start off, if you don't mind, as I do with all my guests, giving a quick two-minute um, history background on yourself, how you got into to doing what you're what, what you're doing now, and what you're talking about today.
1: Absolutely. So I'm a marketing automation expert focused on revenue operations, specifically with HubSpot and Salesforce. I have an interesting career history starting in logistics from being a dispatch manager in trucking, to being a trade show and events manager to winding up as a marketing automation specialist for a credit union. I essentially have bounced around different industries and topics because I haven't really found a passion until marketing automation. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I settled into this career is because of how marketing automation combines consumer psychology with data. And as a psych major with an MBA, I am really interested in that intersection Mm -hmm. and being able to combine automation and systems and processes that work for people with uh, the customer experience that you're creating and tying those two things together has become my passion. Mm -hmm. And I am lucky enough to do what I love every day. And uh, I've also tied in leadership and management to that passion and Mm -hmm. being able to have a team of five now has been a really amazing journey bringing, thank you, bringing uh, other nerds into the fold with me.
0: (laughs) Community of nerds. Um, So that sounds awesome. The And one thing I'm curious about unrelated to the the actual topic of the day, as a Nashville native, I saw something about Tennessee on your LinkedIn profile. Curious what the Tennessee connection is.
1: Yeah, so I grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee in a little town called... A little town called Dunlap if you've heard of it. Um, (laughs) About an hour outside of Chattanooga Um, and I lived there for most of my life. Went to college in Knoxville, Tennessee at UTK and moved to Nashville post-grad for a few years before relocating to Wilmington. So most of my life spent in Tennessee.
0: Nice. Okay. All right. So I respect you twice as much now. (laughs) Go Vols. Um, The Mm -hmm. uh the uh, one other thing I noticed for your background, and you put on your website, you share, and I, I think this is very relevant. Audience here is primarily business owners, uh, you know, small and mid sized businesses. I'm sure a lot of, uh, you know, consultants and, 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 and trusted advisors listening to this or watching this as well. But um, one of the things I think that so many people can relate to, because it's how they got started, um, is as uh, you talk in your website about how you started with a side hustle. And then, you know, later on, founded Coastal Consulting, and how you kind of bridged that gap between. This is just really relevant for so many people. How you bridge that gap between, you know, being full time, wanting to do something, but then like, okay, unless you're like in your parents' house at twenty, like it's not so simple and easy. Like you have responsibilities. How do you, you know, how you bridged that gap from, you know, being an employee to side hustle, to having your own business, to now having a team of five. Like, um, I, I'd be, I think people would be very interested to hear how, how you bridged that gap, how you made that work.
1: Marketing automation and marketing operations are both buzzwords and really growing in the industry right now. Like a lot of organizations are hiring for these roles. And I'd say in the past two years, they've started realizing that this is a specialty that really matters. Because marketing traditionally is advertising and the cute, pretty things at your organization. But now we've realized it's actually the strategic revenue growth arm because people make purchasing decisions before they talk to sales 98% of the time now. And that's Mm -hmm. on marketing to make happen. So whenever I started my career um, seven or eight years ago, I didn't, this wasn't an option. Like this wasn't something that was out there and present So doing trade show and event planning for the international organization I worked at, I started doing pre-trade show and post-trade show emails. And during that process, I was like, wow, I really love HubSpot, the tool I was using to send those emails, and decided that I wanted to dive more into that. So I started freelancing on the side to do more marketing automation. So I went on Upwork and I was like, Email marketing, HubSpot, and just took every opportunity I could to get in with as many organizations and industries to just start learning. And from there, moved on to two separate companies to actually do that full time and get closer to being a marketing automation specialist, which my last position at my previous company was. So the way that I learned this industry was by working. So if you're trying to do that and you want to make more, kind of like a career shift or an industry shift or more of a specialization, um, it's really great to go on a platform like Upwork and charge very little to get started because it's not about the money at first, it's about the knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then as you gain more metrics, more case studies, more experience, you can become more premium priced on those platforms and you get so much exposure <clears throat> because through that, I touched so many marketing automation platforms and was able to work in all of them and then choose, yes, HubSpot is my favorite, mm-hmm. it's the one I see the most value in, that's what I'm going to specialize in. I was able to make extra income on the side. And I was also able to reaffirm that, yes, this is what I want to do. Because all too often, like we jump into a job and we think that we want to do what that job entails, or we think that we like that specialty or whatever, kind of like picking a major in college. <laughs> and then we start we don't, we don't doing know it. What that means. Yeah. <laughs> and we start doing it and we're like, wow, I hate this. So <laughs> being able to freelance and try, you can figure out which industry do I like? What tools do I like? What do I actually enjoy doing while making money? And building your resume. So through that, I decided that there's a huge market need for people in HubSpot and specifically HubSpot and Salesforce. So I work to integrate the two, make the integration work, create automation, data management, sales enablement, everything around that ecosystem and making marketing and sales a unified team internally and not a disparate siloed a uh, subset of your organization like they usually are or have been in the past. Mm-hmm. And whenever I decided to make the shift from full-time employee to freelancer, full-time to company owner, because they weren't all the same decision, <laughs> I had built up a client base through my freelance work that had exceeded my monthly income from my job. So I got to a point where freelance income was outweighing company income. And I was like, you know what? What? This organization is no longer a fit. I really just want to work for myself and hone in on what I'm passionate about. So I chose to leave my position and start freelancing full-time because the income was there. And I think it makes, well, for me, it made me a lot more comfortable to leave my full-time job when my other income was more than that income Mm -hmm. So I knew that I could make it. Um, I will also caveat that with I'm 27. I don't have children. <laughs> um, I have a mortgage and that's about all the debt that I have at this point. So I was lucky enough to be in a low uh, commitment level of life to be able to right. take that leap. And right. I know it, that that varies throughout life of the different right. commitments that you have. Um, but it's really paid off. So I started freelancing full-time, got in the groove of that, loved that. And then I had too many clients. (laughs) I started putting myself out there and had too much work. So I started hiring and I hired my first employee about two months into my business. And that was like the biggest learning curve for me was how do I hire another person in the United States? (laughs) Um, And if you've ever done that (laughs) and been involved in that process, you know that it's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot Mm -hmm. of fees. And the rules around that vary so much from state to state that it's kind of challenging to keep up with. So my first employee was hired in Washington state, which is one of the five hardest states to hire from in the U.S. So go me. Um, and now I have team members in Washington, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, and North Carolina. So I am very well versed on where to find information about these different state laws and still going through the learning curve. So anyway, I hired her and joined the HubSpot Partner Program. So for me, I've been an advocate of HubSpot for my entire career because it was the first marketing automation tool I was introduced to. And I love it. (laughs) And that has never changed. And the HubSpot Partner Program helps agencies grow by increasing visibility with clients, giving them additional resources. And it really gives you the tools to structure your agency. So a lot of people, when they start a company, are like, okay, what should my pricing structure be? Uh, What type of product should I offer? how should I hire? How should I grow? And the HubSpot partner program gives you tools to answer those questions and calculators for like three different pricing models mm-hmm. and really helps enable you to grow and connects wow. you to new customers. Right. So it's all around was incredibly helpful for me. Um, and also they offer additional training to like specifically geared towards partners. It's not available to every HubSpot client. So mm-hmm. that helps me train my team as I hire. So that was a huge growth point for me was joining the HubSpot Partner Program. Cool. Um, from there, just growing and building a website and actually marketing and internally and being an ex-in-house marketer because I've never worked at an agency before starting one. right. I understand the value and the importance of marketing. So we are very marketing first. We have a very robust blog. We're doing great on organic search, which we are so proud of. (laughs) And uh, the branding elements, the photography, like the different pieces that we put into our brand are so important. Mm -hmm. And today that's incredibly valuable to a buyer because it's all experiential. It's all about customer experience. Mm -hmm. So now we are almost 10 months into Coastal Consulting's short history, and we've scaled to... Over half a million in revenue in our first year and now five employees. And that's really cool. Thank you. Yeah,
0: oh, that's really that's really awesome. I think it's a good example for people, maybe people who are still at companies or who went through this recently, that it is a bridgeable thing. Uh, I, I I had a mortgage wife and four kids when I when I made the jump to my own businesses and out of like regular employment. So uh, <clears throat> So that definitely does make it easier if, you know, you could do it at a stage in life like, like you, like you did. Uh, so that's awesome. Uh, but okay. So get, getting now into the, into the marketing automation piece, like when people are, you know, the people who typically approach you, like, I usually like to start in these conversations to think, you know, to, with the problem, let's like fully understand, like, let's like, you know, wallow in the pain for a minute here. Like, what are they going through? What's going on with them? What's their situation before they're getting in touch with you?
1: So typically we work with VP marketing or VP sales. Those are our two specific people that come to us. So there's different problems they're having. On the marketing side, any marketer can relate, struggling to get funding for the things that we want to work on. So budget for ad campaigns, budget to invest in a social media manager or a TikTok manager specifically now. And we can't get that funding or that budget to do that because we can't connect our marketing activities directly to ROI. That's a huge one on the marketing side. Um, from there, another like subset of that is I don't know how to use the tool we have to actually achieve those goals. So I can't even get started with the ROI piece because I don't know how to use the tool. Or I'm new to a company. I don't know how messed up our system is, but it's probably bad. I need someone to help me <laughs> figure it out. Um, and also I don't even know where to start. Like these are all the goals. I feel like I've been given way too much to achieve this year, which is a marketer's plight. They're always understaffed. So the goals are so high and I don't know how to get there. Um, on the sales side, a lot of the times it's, we're not getting qualified leads. And that's, that's all I am aware of as a salesperson is I'm not making deals. I'm not closing. Marketing says that they're a really great revenue engine, but the leads I'm getting from them are not good. So. That's usually an over exaggeration because we as people zoom in on the negative and not the positive. And it just means that you're not getting enough high quality leads to overshadow the few low quality leads you're getting. So you zone in on those. Mm -hmm. So that's an issue in marketing and sales alignment. It's an issue in platform alignment and it's an issue in lead qualification. Mm -hmm. So the solution to that is like lead scoring and properly defining what a marketing qualified lead and a sales qualified lead is and what that handoff looks like. So On the sales side, we're struggling with sales enablement and marketing and sales alignment. On the marketing side, they haven't even gotten to their issue with sales enablement usually because they're so bogged down with, I I need a better system. I need the system to work better for me. And I need a strategy on how to take everything on my plate, simplify it, and then directly tie what we do to ROI so I can get future budget to keep doing well and actually achieve the growth goals we have.
0: Hmm. Okay, that's awesome. Amazing story. You mentioned the story of, uh, of Jess on your website. Is that, a, is, that mm-hmm. a, is that an example that you could share?
1: For sure. So Jess Cameron was leader of marketing at Bang the Table, which is an organization that was recently acquired by Granicus. They are our longest standing client, and she was my first uh, major freelance client. Mm-hmm. So whenever she reached out, she was looking for a Salesforce administrator. So I've mentioned that I work in HubSpot and Salesforce. So Salesforce administrator, she was working in Pardot to integrate with Salesforce and was really frustrated with the limitations that Pardot had. So Pardot's lead scoring is a little bit more challenging than HubSpot. Their automation is a little bit behind as far as the features. And it's, it's a pretty like, strict system on what you can put in there. And you'll only understand that if you work in Pardot, but <laughs> there's just a few things where it's limiting. Well, um, I
0: used to work at a company <laughs> where we did Salesforce and we, I remember years ago, we looked at Pardot and it was so insanely expensive. I mean, even then years ago, it was a hundred, 130 a month per user, some crazy amount. And, um, and it was, yeah, it obviously looked very powerful, but we, you know, we just didn't get too deeply into it, uh, you know, in the investigation, but It was crazy expensive also. But anyway, so you're saying it's like sometimes harder to use also. So,
1: Yeah, a brief tangent on that. Salesforce has two marketing automation platforms that are owned by Salesforce. They weren't built by Salesforce. They were acquired. That's Pardot and Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Pardot is the easier one to use, but the features are very limited. And Salesforce has not kept it up to date with marketing automation innovation like other platforms like Marketo, who was acquired by Adobe HubSpot ActiveCampaign, who are really innovating in the space. Pardot just kind of exists under the Salesforce umbrella. And Salesforce Marketing Cloud is an incredibly powerful tool, but it's very expensive and it's very hard to use as a marketer. You need technical experts that can do SQL to actually get segmented lists. You have to learn a custom coding language called Ampscript that only applies to Salesforce Marketing Cloud to use it to actually personalize your emails. So- It can do a lot, but you need a team of five at least to actually get what you need out of that platform and a huge budget to spend on it. And we are also a Salesforce consulting partner. So I do see the value in Salesforce, but I'm not a fan of Pardot or Marketing Cloud. That being said, Mm -hmm. Jess was using Pardot (laughs) with Salesforce to do her um, marketing, um, just execute as a marketer. So she was struggling to show ROI because Pardot did not have attribution or marketing influence reporting. She was struggling with creating campaigns that were very compelling because the design limitations in Pardot were pretty strict for a team that doesn't have HTML coders to build custom emails or the interest in outsourcing that regularly to a firm, because that's Mm -hmm. very costly. And the lead scoring wasn't where she needed it to be. The contact tracking was not great. Like it, it just was a very basic platform for what she wanted. So her initial goal was I need a Salesforce admin because marketing was tasked with being the Salesforce admin and she didn't have a Salesforce expert in her team. So I came in, started helping a little bit with that, talked to her about Pardot and introduced her to HubSpot. And while I was there, we implemented Marketing Hub and then we later implemented Sales Hub. And as we continued to grow together, she grew in HubSpot, got her team in HubSpot and then built really advanced attribution reporting. So Jess could then see every blog post that they created, every form, every email, how it directly tied to their customer conversion process and how fast it got them through the funnel. So before she said, we're doing all of this, we're spending X on marketing and we know that it's driving value. And then after implementing HubSpot and having time to collect data and build that reporting, she was able to say, we produce this amount of assets and that is directly tied to 40 million in new customer revenue. And that's not an exact number. That's an example of how her statement changed. Um, but through that, you can actually say, this is the tangible value marketing's provided. These are the blog topics that are producing the most revenue. These are the assets. This is where we're going to spend our time because wow. not only does showing revenue attribution help you get more budget to achieve your marketing goals, but it helps you focus your marketing efforts to increase your ROI contribution. So that's attribution reporting that HubSpot released, I believe three years ago, has totally changed the game for marketers because not only can they say we're a value of the organization, we can say, these are the roles we need to hire, we need to really drill down on these specific things because they convert customers, or like leads to customers three times faster, Mm -hmm. and it only takes five days to get a new customer if they read a blog post like this, like you can get that deep and drill down Mm -hmm. reporting from HubSpot.
0: Well, there's a few areas of this I'd like to hear I'd like to hear more about uh, how 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 does it collect that data well, you used enough, you one of the terms you used a minute ago was marketing influenced attribution or something like that. I mean I don't I don't know if what you mean by that is like I filled out you know the form on this page to set up a a, a call or something but then how do we know which? Previous activities, maybe days earlier, and not from that immediate link, or, or you know, influence that. How how does that kind of stuff work? So at a hard, high level, obviously you're experts. I
1: know. So. I'm like I'm getting the urge to screen share. So <laughs> it works through the terms. I mean, you can do influence. that, and the
0: people on the YouTube video could see it. <laughs> Everybody on audio the, would not. You know, we'd have to we'd have to uh, narrate what you're what you're showing.
1: You can go to my website and see a breakdown. But the uh so the terms marketing influenced revenue, which means this is revenue that was directly influenced by marketing activities. So HubSpot uses a tracking cookie. So if you go on a website that's using HubSpot and I submit a form, HubSpot knows that's your browser, that's who you are. Or if you get an email from a HubSpot deployed email, like I send someone an email from our HubSpot account, they click a link. I now have identified their behavior as that. So assuming they don't clear cookies, don't change browsers, there's a few different things um, that can mess with that tracking. But typically you submit a form, I know who you are. Um, HubSpot has tracked your activity before you submit that form. So when somebody comes to our website and submits a form to have a call with us, we can see they looked at the services page for two minutes. They then went to this product page, this product page, and this one. They scrolled half of the way down the page and then clicked convert on a pop-up form that we had. So we can get that really detailed information of how people are engaging with our website and actually converting to talk to us. So it helps you really optimize your conversion paths on your website. Um, But all of that is done through a tracking cookie, because if they later leave our website, come back two days later on the same computer, we can see, oh, wait, they're back. And where HubSpot, Sales Hub is very helpful for sales teams is they can actually get a notification, hey, they're back on the site. And so If you've ever noticed that you visit a B2B website and then they follow up an hour later, like, hey, just thinking like checking back in, they can get that reporting of, hey, I saw that you spent half an hour of our website this past hour, but they're not gonna say that ideally. Some people do and it's creepy, but they can use that intelligence to know, hey, we're top of mind. Yeah, but like we can know we're top of mind right now. Now's the time to reach out.
0: Moment of opportunity. Mm -hmm. What is marketing automation?
1: Marketing automation is, oof. <laughs> it's hard to distill that one. It's, it's an automated way of making your life easier as a marketer. And marketing automation is a subset of revenue operations, which is making your marketing, sales, and customer service teams a united team with the sole mission of serving your customers and creating a great customer experience. So Marketing automation are the tools that sync together, work together, and automate that. So like, let's say the workflow tool in HubSpot, the flow tool in Salesforce, or the automation designer in Pardot, those are the tools that then say, here are the fields to update, here's the data we want to collect, here are the emails to send, Um, and revenue operations is the system and process that marketing automation is built from.
0: Okay. Okay. How do you, you know, if I'm trying to, you know, use YouTube videos or blog articles or whatever to figure this out, or if I'm getting you to do it or someone like you, how, I guess, like, what does the process look like at a high level that you take people through or that people go through to start setting that up or to know how to set it up or to know in what way they should set, I mean, not just the mechanics of physically how to set it up, but like, how you know, strategically or Know, conceptually, how should it be set up? Like, how do how do people know how to to know what to do when they want to set up marketing automation?
1: So, marketing automation is a tool that is used to achieve a strategy. <clears throat> what most organizations fall into is thinking that a tool is going to come, be the strategy, and make it work. So, mm-hmm. the way that you succeed in marketing automation is setting a plan. So. Whenever you connect with Coastal for the first time, we work with you, listen to your goals. Usually we have one or two strategy sessions just to fully understand who is having issues at your organization. What are they? And can we solve them? Like, are we the right team to work with you on that? And once we agree that we are on both sides, we start working together and we do something called a customer journey map. So the customer journey map lays out your leads, your customers, and or like your conversion process and your customers. So how does someone first find us? How do they decide to work from us, like work with us? How do we sell them? How do we keep them? So that process involves talking to a member of your marketing sales and customer service team. And oftentimes that's the first time these people have been in the same room together. So that exercise is very helpful because sometimes customer service is like, well, once they've closed on a deal, they thought they were getting this and we've advertised they're getting this, but we don't offer that. So If your marketing team is pushing a message that is then creating a negative customer experience post-conversion, that's a huge issue we need to fix like right away. So creating that simple diagram that says, these are the things we are doing. These are the things we're not doing. These are the things we should do. That's a very high level roadmap for everyone in your organization to align around. So before we start doing anything, we build that, we get alignment. From there, we can create a really easy strategy take the things that we're not doing and start doing them (laughs) Um, or take the things we are doing, analyze how they're doing and make them better. So it's a really basic starting point, but it's that organizational alignment and having a strategy in place that actually makes the tool work. So once that foundation is laid, we get in the tool and start looking at what's working, what's not, What what can we add? Are we in the right system? Do we need to change tools? Is the integration giving us the data that we need broken? How do we fix that? So it's really important that before you actually start using a tool that you figure out why you got the tool in the first place, right. what you need it to do, who's involved in achieving those goals and then like what your plan is to get there. And that's what we help people distill whenever we first start working with them. So our organ- like our connection with them and the like partnership is actually valuable, not just somebody else completing tasks for them. like our goal is to make their operation work and their tools work. Rather than just building one email campaign or fixing one bug.
0: Right. So 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 the so last main question, I guess on, on that is you talked about you talked about how you are keeping people, right? You're keeping customers once once you initially close with them. Um, I guess how does the kind of tools or techniques that you use fit into the part close sale close, post sale, excuse me in terms of how you serve your clients or customers or how you keep them? I mean, those are two separate things, right? How do you actually provide the service to them and how do you keep them? I don't know if those are two separate things or one thing, but like how, to, how, does, the, how does the stuff that you do with clients or marketing automation, et cetera, like how does it relate to that?
1: So there's three types of services that we offer when it comes to timeframe. So one is a 10-day audit where you just hire us to go into your account and tell you what's wrong and how to fix it. And then we're done. (laughs) Two is an implementation. So you've decided that Marketo or Pardot's not working for you and you need to actually implement a new tool, which if you're working with us is HubSpot. (laughs) And we get that stood up for you. Implementations of HubSpot typically take three to six months and we do it in one to two on average. So we're a very quick team Mm
0: -hmm. when it comes
1: to standing up HubSpot and integrating with Salesforce if needed. So that is a shorter engagement because it's just getting the implementation set up. And then we have managed services, which are a good fit for organizations that need an ongoing Salesforce administrator, an ongoing HubSpot administrator, or who have the volume of marketing automation work that makes sense to have a team that's helping you set up workflows, send emails, QA bugs, fix integrations, set up dashboard reports. So those are usually larger organizations that either haven't set the budget aside for an internal marketing automation role yet or are just struggling to find one because it's so hard to hire right now for this industry, let alone overall. So our team is either with you really quickly to help identify and provide a roadmap or get you set up in a platform or help you long-term, which usually is four to six months, or all of them. If you get an audit, decide to implement and have us work with you long-term.
0: Right. And what about what you do helps your clients with their own clients? I guess post sale, also like what, like in terms of keeping their clients or serving their clients, how does that, how how does, how do the type of tools that you help people work on, I guess, fit into that, the post sale like
1: part? So, how are we helping our clients, clients post sale or how are we helping sell them?
0: How are you, how are you helping your clients keep their clients or serve like to do whatever it is that they do for their clients? Like, I don't know, does the systems that you help them with, help them with the actual service they provide the clients with operations, in other words, well, you know, and with keeping, which retention you mentioned earlier as being part of what you help with.
1: So two distinct examples come to mind. So one of our clients is a large RFP bidding system where you can go in as a government agency or a supplier and submit RFPs and respond. So for their organization, they have a custom platform where they've built this RFP bidding tool and you can go in, you can sign up, whatever, it's a SaaS platform. What we do is we help attract those customers through setting up webinar campaigns. We help convert them by helping with landing page optimization, SEO, that funnel of, they submit a form, they get this email, like mapping that customer experience individually. And then post sale, we use HubSpot to say, hey, you have this subscription, but you're only subscribed to the state of Florida. You should subscribe to Georgia and Alabama too, because they're nearby and you should get additional bids. So we've upsold them on their subscription price. And they also, like most RFP tools, have the option to have free subscribers that then need to convert to paid. So their marketing team is judged basically off of the amount of subscribers that they get to start with and how many free subscribers they can then convert to paid subscribers. So we're helping with lead acquisition and customer upsell. And through using HubSpot and the data that their product is funneling to Salesforce, which is then pushing to HubSpot, we help with that customer activation and upsell. So our team is helping with the system infrastructure. We don't directly work in their product, but we project manage with their developers and their product team to make sure all three systems are communicating to best serve the customer before, during, and after purchase. Um, Another example that comes to mind is a coaching client of ours. So they are a women's empowerment coaching organization that's based in the US and have a program that you go through. So they have a webinar, which is their first uh, marketing qualified lead conversion point. And from there, their onboarding and customer service team calls you, sets up an appointment and signs you up for their class and their training. So the way that they use HubSpot is very different because they use ads to attract to their webinars, which then convert, enter HubSpot. They're not using Salesforce, just HubSpot. And from there, their customer onboarding team calls them. All of this is logged in HubSpot, everything from start to finish. And once they enroll in their course, there's course activation emails. So here's how to get started. Here's your week one activities, week two, et cetera. And then throughout that, there's also upsell. So you're in this course, but you could probably benefit from this course too. Or maybe you need this worksheet or you can refer us to a friend. So their goals is converting and getting them through the course and course completion and then deepening their services as the organization and taking new courses and getting new tools um, to help them through the coaching process they're going through.
0: Right. Well, awesome. Okay, I really appreciate this like crash course in, uh, you know, in marketing automation related stuff and particularly with HubSpot and those considering using it or who are using it, but maybe not fully or properly. Um, so yeah, it's, it's super helpful. I learned a lot. I really, really appreciate it. and. Thank you so much for coming coming on.
1: Thanks for having me. This is really fun.
0: Yeah, thank you. And uh, I appreciate you coming on and we'll look forward to seeing everyone else on the other side. Thank you. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.